You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 120 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Klaas for sponsoring this episode. There's a popular proverb that sounds quite harsh, but maybe it does because it is true. A fish rots from the head down. That proverb is said to come from a book published in 1768, so more than 250 years ago, titled Observations on the Religion, Law, Government and Manners of Turks, written by Sir James Porter. How does this comment, written 250 years ago, about Turks, it sounds like a swear word, they probably referred to the Ottoman Empire. How does such a comment, made in a completely different time about a completely different topic, relate to accounting practices in Australia and tax practices and financial advice practices, of course. How is that comment relevant to us? John Peterson is a business advisor to accounting practices who you already met in the last two episodes. John devotes an entire chapter in his book to this proverb. So I ask him why. Here's John. I believe in mantras and statements and interest-creating triggers that help us to remember time and again over a long journey, which it is to master a business, what it means if we are, in fact, the problem when we don't want to admit that. So one of our ways of saying that is the fish stinks from the head down. So in other words, quite often, it's the mindset or the habitual behaviours and practices that are in place that are in fact really the responsibility and the cause coming down from the principal or the founder of that firm. So if the fish stinks from the head down, that means that the founder or the principal is really not thinking and innovating and aware of what's possible and not exploring ways to evolve their systems and processes and ways of getting the work done. Now, that's really important because if they're not really looking to innovate and not aware that it's possible, then they are the problem. It's not the business, it's not the clients, it's not the employees, it's, it's actually the principal. So being willing to accept that that might be something that does occur from time to time is a simple trigger, is to remind ourselves that, hey, you know, the fish can sometimes stink from the head down. For example... I could be very good at business, but if I employ a bad bookkeeper and I don't hold them accountable to getting the work done and or they're inconsistent with the work, even if they're quite capable, but if I'm the one who's responsible for my books, I could blame the bookkeeper. But if I don't replace them or make them accountable or change the way they do anything, well, is it the bookkeeper or is the fish stinking from the head down? That's a great example of that. Another example is my pricing model. If I don't have the courage or the insight to innovate and improve or raise my prices every year, then in five years' time, I'm too cheap as an accountant. So my prices are now something that my customers are conditioned to think are always going to be low. So now my customers and my prices are a problem. Well, really, I'm the problem because I've never addressed that. And if all I did was eyeball my clients and say, hey, I really have to raise my prices, 
90% of them would say, yeah, that's okay. You haven't raised your prices forever. No problem. But if my thinking is I can't even say that or I'm afraid to say that, then a fish stinks from the head down. There's some great examples. Okay, now what does that also mean? Well, it also means that the strategy, the continuous improvement, the ability to attract junior equity partners or great employees, the ability to roll out innovative value-based packages of products and services, fixed price agreements, all of these things are far less likely to occur if my thinking is stopping me from acting. That's the fish thinking from the head down. Now let's also talk about culture and capacity and how those things go together with better thinking. So if I want to attract talent, I've got to have an environment that will sustain their interest. If I also want to make money and be time rich rather than time poor, I've actually got to have the capacity. So if your cup is always full, you try and pour more water into it, the cup is going to spill overflow and make a mess. If there's plenty of capacity on the other hand, that's not a big deal. You can take on more water or you can take on more clients. So the first thing we must do is continue to improve the culture, the ambition, the aspiration of the team to aspire to getting more work done in less time. And once they start to realise that being able to do that calms down the organisation, because if you're getting more work done in less time, sure, you can do more work, but you've also got more time. So you've got more time, you've got capacity to grow, you've got capacity to learn, and you've actually got capacity to innovate. But you really can't grow, learn, or innovate anything when you're time poor. You're always chasing your tail. So the fish stinks from the head down, doesn't embark upon a journey to learn how to be time rich. You're never going to wake up one day just time rich accidentally. You are going to have to pursue the objective with tenacity, determination, and dare I say, the mindset of a marathon athlete rather than a sprint athlete, because you don't systemize a business and master your capacity and have excess capacity and happy team members that get all the work done in a small amount of time, giving them the time to innovate and learn and roll out new products and move to the cloud and become a connected advisor. All of these things happen because the fish stopped stinking from the head down and started pursuing those outcomes. If you want to build a great culture, you're also wanting to foster a great culture. So that's a leadership skill. And you can't hope for, aim for a great team or a great culture without actually learning how to do that. They're not necessarily unobtainable things. They're actually very simple to learn, but they take time to execute. And it's the time that we often don't have if we're time poor. So the fish has got to stop stinking from the head down, man up a bit or toughen up a bit, if you like, and actually realise there's a journey ahead. And if we can commit to that, we're going to look at our capacity, our throughput, our intention to get more work done in less time, our intention to build an encouraging and capable mindset and alignment of mindset into the culture of our team. Not difficult to do, but it can take some time. Welcome back. After the interview, John spoke more and I wanted to share some of his comments with you. Back to John. The young talent today in the accounting profession is far more aware of the virtues of achieving strategic competitive advantage 
as in a logical concept. Whereas the ageing population of accountants would love to know how to do that, but on a self-belief level, they've been in the profession for so long that they lack the self-esteem and the self-belief to actually go and try and pursue that, unless, of course, they have people like us investing in them. And we know for sure that the young 30-year-old dynamic accounting firms, uh, by every day that goes past, they're devaluing and showing less interest in buying an older accounting firm's practice off them at a commercial rate. They'd rather just take market share by organically marketing to the SME community on Facebook and social media and, and winning market share without paying for it. Okay, so the ageing population has got a real dilemma ahead of it unless a succession planning vehicle like this is created, right? Yeah. But it's interesting that it's still very much a seller's market at the moment. Oh, yeah, because there's always 10 times the buyers to the number of sellers because sellers hang on, they don't want to sell to anybody. And remember, I've done 130 buy-sell-merge transactions since 2004, so I've seen the best and the worst types of transactions. I've often helped to improve the valuation for the seller, but not by screwing down the buyer. In fact, by slicing up the tranches of that transaction to de-risk the buyer and the seller. So the seller gets more money if they do the right thing, the buyer is willing to pay as long as they keep all the fees. So we can de-risk that over a couple of years. So many software vendors, so many other vendors of all sorts of products are trying to sell products to the end customer of the accountant. So they're trying to get to the accountant and then trying to influence the accountant to market products to the accountant's clients. But accountants are quite ethical and really don't want to do that unless there is a legitimate win-win for the client, you know, not just for the accountant or the provider. So that's a distribution market that could actually be quite remarkable if we could protect the accountant's value proposition and client values of service ethics and at the same time make sure that the true trusted advisor status of the accountant is maintained because that's the biggest risk is they become a marketing machine and they burn the goodwill of their own good, good name and good brand. Knowing that I've seen so many of these so-called roll-ups in the past... What, what are roll-ups? Roll-ups are private equity-based consolidations of the accounting industry whereby a large capital-based investor is offering ageing firms an opportunity to cash in and join a large group in exchange for money and time, but they don't tend to stay around for very long, the ageing principles, because it's a money-driven play by a private equity uh, parent, rather than an ethical play, or an e it's not really aligned with the philosophy of a, of a one or two partner accounting firm. So Count did one of these, Count Financial, and it uh, sold eventually to CBA, but Count Financial had hundreds of accounting firms doing a small amount of financial planning. The whole thing was valued, priced and sold as a one consolidated group. And it was hundreds of accountants around Australia that found out that had been done to them and they were very disappointed. There was one prior to that called WHK. It was slightly less successful, in fact, than the Count one, but nowhere near as unsuccessful as one back many years ago called Stockford's, where, again, a private equity play, lots of accountants received a cheque, 
moved into this consolidated business across Australia and then found out that there were no values, no ethics, it was all about the money. And so many of them just left and stole or poached their own clients back and didn't even get sued because it was too much of it happening all the time. You know, it was just a disaster. The other thing about the whole market is, of course, that not only is FOFA really making life difficult for financial planners, but also accountants with their uh, limited licensing with superannuation, everything else, it's actually getting really quite a challenging environment. So the other thing is that what do accountants want? They're not going to give up 25% of their equity if they're a young firm with 10 or 20 years to go very easily, unless they believe in the model. The ageing principles, on the other hand, they want a succession plan, right? So if they could give up 25 or 50% now, have the value increase over five years through all of our strategies, they get a, a total payment that's much better if they just sold it today. So it's a win-win in doing it that way. Private equity has two different profiles. Impatient equity is, here's my money, pay me a dividend. Intelligent equity is what Branson does, Richard Branson. He says, no, let's get investors that want to be in this market. It's already interesting to their own core business. So intelligent equity is much more patient, much more interested in the market, and much more motivated to build a great business rather than just get a return. Welcome back. In the next episode, episode 121, John Saunders of the Pitwater Partnership will talk about the age pension. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.